Welcome to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady. I'm here with co-host Lou Weiss, who is president of All Metals and Forge Group, the sponsor for Manufacturing Talk Radio. Lou, we always want to thank you for sponsoring Manufacturing Talk Radio and allowing us to be on the air. We appreciate having Anthony Nieves joining us again from the Institute for Supply Management. He is the committee chair for the Services Report on Business. Used to be called the non-manufacturing, but I think services is more glamorous. Anthony, we appreciate you coming on with us, and you have got a fabulous report to report on. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, let's so, see if we can so, keep this show going long enough. Usually when there's good news, we have nothing to talk about. <laughs> uh, we'll throw in some uh, bad stuff at the end. So stick around. <laughs> so tell us so, how you did it. How's it look? Well, when you look at this month's release, it definitely beat everyone's expectations. We reached some all-time highs here. Uh, if you think back to when we first released the composite index back in 2008, um, and we did collect data for this report uh, for approximately 10 years before we rolled it out. <clears throat> so if you look at the composite index at 63.7, that is the highest reading since the 60.9 we had in October of 2018. And prior to that, it was, if you looked at that data I was just mentioning, it was 62% back in August of 97. So this really bodes well for the sector as we've seen uh, businesses reopen. Uh, we've uh, had widespread vaccination distribution, not quite uh, at a high percentage of the population, but enough to where we're starting to see this pent up demand be released as uh, the economy is overall picking up. So, so it seems, and uh, uh, I mean, all of the numbers are just incredible. And if I'm not mistaken, all of the 18 sectors showed expansion. Is that not correct? That is correct. I mean, when you look at the other indexes, the sub-indexes that comprise the composite, uh, business activity at uh, 69.4, another all-time high. Uh, the next highest reading we had was back in the inception of the report. And that was, uh, I want to say, somewhere around uh, 60, 60.9% or somewhere around there. But 69.4, that's huge. New orders at 67.2, also another all-time high. Employment, employment at 57.2, came back 4.5 percentage points month over month. So that is also uh, good news. We're still seeing a shortage of workers out there in this sector, but um, I can tell you that uh, right now as we're seeing uh, different regions of the country moving into additional tiers and reopening, and as I mentioned previously about the uh, vaccination uh, being distributed, uh, we're not quite at you know 100% capacity, nowhere near pre-pandemic levels, but certainly we're on that path. I think that when we look at this growth, because we measure that change month over month, we might see some leveling off down the road, but we'll still stay on, I believe, on this path of continued growth, just not at this very high level that we're seeing this month. Now, in the service sector, Anthony, which feeds off the manufacturing sector to some degree in some of those industries, are inventories extraordinarily low? for those companies that 
full inventory for manufacturing? Well, you, you bring up a very good point. This is a good segue into not only inventories, but the supplier deliveries as well. Because the inventories, as you see at 54%, it's down 4.9 uh, percentage points month over month, but still growing. As I mentioned, we mentioned that change. Deliveries at 61, up 0.2 percentage points, they're continuing to slow. And this is based on many issues, different variables that uh, affect not only the deliveries, but the cycle time as it relates to those inventories. Where, as I mentioned, we've had this pent up demand, we've had increased uh, business activity, we still have port congestion, shortage of containers, shortage of truckers and trucks. Uh, we've had weather issues as it relates to chemicals and processing coming out of Texas and Louisiana. And looking at the manufacturing side, which I know you've covered previously with Tim Fury, manufacturing, the question is, how does that impact non-manufacturing as we now call it the services sector? Many of the manufacturers are providers, suppliers to this sector. And so when you see disruption to the supply chain on the manufacturing side, it most definitely impacts further down uh, the linkage of the supply chain to the services sector. You're talking about uh, supply chain and <clears throat> some of our uh, import items that need to be brought into the country. Because of the uh, pandemic, uh, there were shortages of ships that they took out of service. Containers you can't get. I don't know where they hid them. Uh, but the point is that these uh, logistics companies and shipping line have raised their price anywhere from 25 to 45 percent. And that does not include the uh, Trump tariffs. So that's, that's a real issue. Well, I think if you look closely at, for those containers, if they're not in Long Beach, they have to be in the port of New Jersey, Lou. So <laughs> they'll be somewhere over there. Yeah, uh, right. They're, they're, they're doing all their TV shows down at the port uh, and with SVU and all of that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, seriously, uh, that's a real problem. Uh, and that, that's partly why you're going to start seeing, and you are seeing, pricing going up um, because of transportation, logistics, and delay in shipments. Definitely. We're starting to see the uh, surcharges, not only the fuel surcharges, but COVID surcharges. The cost of doing business has increased um, as people have had to... Um, implement the protocols over the past year and maintain those. There's a cost associated for that and whether or not it gets passed on to the consumer or to the uh, buyer, uh, it depends on the type of uh, product, service, or, or company that uh, is handling that. I always feel that that cost is in there somewhere. You just have to find it. Mm -hmm. It's not listed as a line item. It's in there. It definitely is. Uh, it's not to talk politics, but uh, the present uh, administration is really doing a lot. They've got a lot on their plate. Um, I don't hear them talking much about the tariff issue. Um, I'm not sure that's a real hot potato for uh, President Biden. Well, not to talk politics, it's probably not the tariffs we have to worry about. We have to look at the taxes. You know, the taxes, uh, I saw something recently on the news about how with increase in taxes that it won't affect product costs. I've never seen that happen. I think we're going to see 
uh, strong pricing continue for quite some time here. We're starting to see the, some feel as aggressive uh, inflation. I believe it's more uh, creeping in a combination of um, supply and demand as well as uh, just companies not having the capacity and the output necessary to maintain uh, uh, you know, or correlate to the demand levels at this point. And we'll continue to see some strong pricing going forward. Looking at the price index, uh, this month at 74%, it's up 2.2 percentage points. This is some strong price index for, for this sector. And I know it carries over even stronger on the manufacturing side. Mm -hmm. what, do you think about the, what do you think about the idea that uh, the uh, administration, uh, instead of perhaps raising taxes on corporations, which they probably should do anyway, but uh, the funds that major U.S. corporations are holding offshore. Um, should that not be taken a look at in terms of uh, bring it back, tax it, do whatever, but you know, you got to bring the money home to help our country? That's a great question. I think that there's so many variables involved in that of whether or not those companies are actually, you know, how, how do you do that? Is it, are they incorporated over there? Uh, what's the origin? Where is the revenue being generated from? There's so many uh, specifics that have to be addressed in that regard. And as far as, you know, what you mentioned earlier about, um, you know, corporations need to be taxed. Is it okay if they tax your corporation and not tax mine? I'd be okay with that. No, you can, <laughs> you can tax mine. I don't care. Oh, I, I, I need There's every dollar I can get. But, well, that's true. But if everybody thought that, we wouldn't have a, we wouldn't have a country. We're all sharing in uh, developing and keeping the country going and prosperous. We all got to pay the, the fair the fair share, I think. I, I think, you know, I don't disagree. I think that when you look at the structure that we have here in this country, um, you know, we are capitalism. Uh, everyone kind of points over to some of the Scandinavian countries as being the answer. Uh, they're actually capitalist uh, countries as well. Um, their taxes are high, but yet they also take care of a lot of infrastructure through those taxes that we don't see here. So not to get all philosophical on it, but it's definitely like, I think we're comparing apples and oranges and we have to really find a way to get the balance so that we don't have what we experienced. If you think back to the late nineties, early two thousands, because of the way taxes were companies offshore, uh, tremendous offshoring that we had back then. And so that kind of impacts the economy in a much different perspective with the employment picture and everything else. So you have to be careful uh, and, and find that right measure and balance of uh, how we move forward and, and make sure we don't have such high taxation that it prompts those companies to look at alternate sources to avoid that. Well, Anthony, I'm curious, Anthony, in terms of blue mention tariffs, what's happening with imports? Because the services sector, particularly retail, uh, computer electronics, imports a lot of product. Is, are imports tailing off or are they still going strong? Well, think about this. We had the new year over in China. So many things were fast tracked back before January. So now, even though the number, the index looks uh, lower, when we look at the index of 50.7, it went up 0.2 percentage points, but a couple things. We looked at, as a country, we looked at alternate sources of supply. 
We looked at some domestic manufacturing. Most of the things that weren't coming in, business had waned a bit because of COVID. The PPP, uh, PPE stuff that we were getting from Asia was also looked at from other sources, even though it might've still been imported, but we also looked at domestic sources. So there is different things that were transpiring at that point. So I think that um, imports, we still had some growth. It's just a matter of um, not strong because we haven't caught up after the new year as far as some of those items and companies still aren't at 100% capacity of where they were operating pre-pandemic. So soon enough, uh, we'll get a better picture. If we think back to the semi-annual forecast, it's interesting that as strong as this report is, all our, our respondents felt that the second half would be better than the first half. So yeah. this is a good indication of you know what is in store for the second half. But keep in mind, I don't think we're going to have that same uh, big push forward because it's kind of where <clears throat> during the pandemic, we had certain levels of business that just decreased dramatically. Now we're starting to see the buildup post um, as, as things as vaccination is being distributed and businesses are reopening. So what's going to happen is we'll see, still see incremental growth going forward. But, you know, hypothetically, say we've hit 75% of where we were pre-pandemic, this next 25% is going to be spread out over the balance of the year. And I think that uh, so we'll still see continued growth. And it bodes well, because then we don't have to worry about overheating in the economy either if we uh, look at it this way. It's interesting uh, on your on your notes, uh, your graph about new exports, and that it's basically it's fifty five, but it did drop a couple of points, and that probably has something to do, I would think, with what's going on in Europe, where uh, Europe is uh, effectively shutting down again. Uh, I saw the news broadcast from Milan uh, last week, and there were no people on the street. I mean, it was a ghost town. Uh, so they, their GDP, almost in all the countries in Europe, have gone down. So it doesn't seem like that they're doing a lot of importing. Hence, we don't do a lot of exporting as much. No, you hit the nail on the head there. I think that um, besides any retail commodities or things of that nature that are exported, most of it comes from the knowledge management arena, the professional scientific technical services, management of companies and support services, information technology. Um, and so, and there's been some strife with Europe as it relates to intellectual property and for uh, programming and things of that nature. So that's also impacted uh, the slowing of uh, exports. So that coupled with uh, that, as you described, Lou, as a given us this, uh, what we see the picture today of um, uh, just exports being lower. <laughs> What's happening in pricing in the, the services sector, Anthony? I know it's on its move upwards in manufacturing. How about your sectors? Much of it is attributed, as we know, to the fuel costs, the rising fuel costs, petroleum-based products, poly products, resins, and the carryover that we see on the manufacturing side, uh, some of the steels, you know, we have copper has been in there for successive months, uh, steel and steel products, PVC products. Um, and those are the commodities that we're seeing the tangible goods side. Uh, also, uh, we've had some labor issues as it relates to construction that's been carrying over 
for quite some time uh, in this sector. So these lumber products is another one that we've seen month over month uh, listed in the commodities up in price. But right now it seems to be that fuel is driving uh, the majority of the cost increase for the uh, services sector. Uh, well, by the way, Tim, uh, the, the other day we were on the show with somebody and we were talking about oil, the price of oil. And um, it's up in the early 60s. Um, and they're talking now about obviously getting rid of oil and using re renewable energy. What's going to happen to that industry, the oil, oil industry globally, if in fact we have only Press a button and you get uh, electricity, solar, winds, uh, uh, and so on. That's just going to be another another industry that's going to ultimately uh, take the uh, take the high road, like the horseshoe manufacturer. I don't think we're going to see the oil industry and and fuel gasoline go anywhere in the next. You know, I would say twenty years. Yes. In the next two to five years, no. There might be some decreased utilization, but certainly uh, not as some of the environmentalists would like to believe. So I, the reliance there on fossil fuels is not going to diminish that dramatically in the next two to five years. Mm -hmm. It's just impossible to wean us off of that as much as we're trying to go forward with renewable energy and uh, you know electric cars and all of that, the infrastructure is not there to, to make that transition in, in two to five years. That I think is more wishful thinking than reality-based. Right, I, I agree. What about mining? I know that's in that falls into your uh, group of industries, Anthony, and I'm just curious, it's had its ups and downs. It's been stronger in uh, the most recent five years and it's been a while. What's its outlook? I was just wondering if maybe I can give that industry over to Tim Fury in manufacturing. That'll <laughs> bring our number down. <laughs> They're actually doing well. And um, the, the increase in fuel prices actually helps that industry as well as uh, they've had capital reinvestment uh, in the past year. Uh, so uh, to your point, they, they were the drag for the longest period of time on this sector as far as one of the industries that was consistently uh, not doing well. And in the past uh, year and a half, two years, that mining has actually been performing quite well. Is any of the rare earth mining show up in your report? Great question. You know, I, I think that for what we have here, we don't get down into the whole uh, specificity of, uh, of each of the various companies. I, you know, I see the companies and some of the comments, but overall, when I look at the indexes and the numbers that come in, I can't tell uh, from the respondents who, who's answering what there. Um, I can see, as I mentioned from the, from the comments, I can see some of the different companies and what they correlate to, but we try to keep that as anonymous as possible by not uh, revealing, because you look at that industry, it's, it's somewhat consolidated. It's not like there's a, you know, thousands of companies across the country that are in the exploration and mining piece. Right, right. In your semi-annual, back in uh, January, I think you did it this year, one of the things that you always look at is capital expenditure, what's generally known as CapEx. Are we running consistent with that, you know, two, three months out, or are we spending it 
more aggressively? That's a good question. And I think that what we're, and the only way we can gauge that, because we don't measure that on a monthly basis, we only measure that on the semi-annual basis. But I can tell from the comments that our respondents are saying things such as, uh, okay, new fiscal period, so funds are being released for projects. So which leads me to believe that that's correlated to that capital uh, capital plans and capital reinvestment. So um, they weren't, uh, I think they were more optimistic in the manufacturing sector than the, than the services sector as it relates to capital reinvestment. And it's a different sort as well. I think that um, the type of expenditures that you see in the services sector relate more to the uh, types of uh, equipment, not so much plant and equipment, but it's usually computer hardware, uh, furniture fixtures and equipment, renovations, uh, things of that nature, not as much a big uh, production build out of plant equipment that you would see on the manufacturing side. So to uh, sum up, uh, we did talk about that the shows are harder to talk about when it's all good news. So what headwinds do you see, Anthony? Well, I think that what we have to be careful of is that as things are starting to open up, that we don't have a relapse as it relates to the pandemic and COVID with some of the variants that are being spoken about now um, that are creeping their way into the country. Hopefully that doesn't derail things. Uh, also that uh, I mentioned earlier that uh, we don't wanna see the economy overheat. That doesn't seem to be the issue um, or the potential is not there from what I can see, but you never know. Uh, geopolitical concerns, we still have some issues uh, to address as we've talked about tariffs with China and whatnot. And there seems to be uh, a little bit more animosity created uh, recently as it relates to some of the human rights issues overseas in Asia and China and how that's going to impact the way we conduct business. I think uh, the uh, Secretary of the Treasury this morning spoke specifically about um, doing business with, with China and how that is going to be going forward. I think she had some uh, poignant uh, comments uh, that I saw come across uh, on Twitter this morning. But anyway, those are some of the potential headwinds. I think that uh, uh, we have to really focus on getting things opened up as this uh, vaccine gets distributed uh, more across the country. Uh, I think we're only at about a 25% um, level of the country that's been uh, vaccinated somewhere around there. So that's really not a big percentage. It's starting to open up now. Certain states are now over 50 years old. They're moving into a tier of 16 and above. Like to see us get back to that normal, whatever that might be. And hopefully it's not a new normal. It's nice to see you guys not wearing a mask, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Who's looking yeah, behind him? He's, he's got his mask. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, the Institute for Supply Management has an exceptional training series to certify supply chain professionals. And in that, they have uh, covered topics like disruptions to the supply chain. And when COVID hit uh, a year and a half ago uh, and the supply chain was massively disrupted, what is it like today? Is it beginning to settle down? Are they conquering that beast? Or are, are they, do they still have a mess on their hands? Well, it, it's, it is industry and company specific, and, and it depends on the commodity and, and the commodities and services. 
And I can tell you there is still supply chain disruption, as I mentioned earlier in the show, with some of the things going on with port congestion, containers, trucks, truckers. Uh, there's just a litany of issues that they have to contend with. But the companies are resilient, just like the country is resilient. And they do workarounds. They look at alternate sources of supply, uh, as well as uh, modes of transportation, whatever it takes. Uh, does it materialize into um, essentials being shortchanged uh, as far as, or is it more an inconvenience? So I think right now uh, we've been, you know, blessed in the sense that uh, we've been able to recover from the shortage of PPE that we had uh, right on the on the onset of the pandemic. And the same thing, think about it, you know, uh, a year ago today, there wasn't any uh, bathroom tissue on the shelves in the supermarkets, right? Now it's, uh, they're saying the cost might go up, but it's certainly not because there's a lack of supply out there. Um, disinfectant wipes, some of the other things that were just disappearing off the shelves, you couldn't even get them uh, retail or commercial. They're available now today. So again, companies moved into different sourcing uh, capabilities and and they had contingency plans that they executed and it, it's voted well for us as we see uh, that we're not uh, really all that inconvenienced today as we were a year ago so going forward and uh, just uh, wrapping up this uh, sector uh, segment sorry uh, looking forward is basically up yes no so far yes Definitely, uh, we are seeing uh, things in positive light right now. Um, I can't uh, reiterate enough how, uh, when we look at this report, all time highs, uh, beat expectations, beat everyone's expectations, mine included. Uh, I think that uh, again, we'll see this growth going forward, may not be at the same level of growth, it has to pull back some. And uh, if we think back to that semi-annual, what did our respondents tell us as we reported on your show? Uh, the second half is going to be better than the first half. So right. we're still nowhere near uh, operating as to where we were pre-pandemic levels, getting, getting there, but not there yet. And so uh, it looks like a positive uh, outlook moving forward for sure. Tim? Powerful stuff. Anthony, thank you for joining us. Uh, for those of you who are watching and want to get more of this information, go to ismworld.org. That's their website for the Institute for Supply Management. And we always appreciate both Tim Fiore on the manufacturing side and Anthony Nieves on the services side. And coming up soon, we'll be talking to Nancy Lamaster on the hospital report. As always, thanks for joining us, Anthony. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Always a pleasure to see you. Thank you, Talk Anthony. You. Stay safe, stay healthy. You too, thanks. Thank you. And while you're surfing the web and going to ismworld.org, go to jacketmediaco.com and you can find links to all of our podcasts. You also find them on C-Suite TV and C-Suite Radio and all of your podcast listening platforms for the audio version. Again, thank you for joining us on this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>